Welcome everyone back to another episode of Motorsport Republica with another special guest, Senator Aegis. Welcome. No, thanks guys. Thanks for thanks for fitting me in, and uh, no, I'm super happy to be here. So yeah. awesome, man. Thanks for um, thanks for coming down and another makeshift podcast room, <laughs> but we're uh, here. So um, yeah, how, we we're just talking about your um, what is it track day? I guess testing session of Phillip Island. How's that all going? Yeah, it's good. Uh, I leave soon. Uh, I've got a fire blade to train on, so it's perfect. I like getting out a little bit, um, especially after my break. Like I like to also switch off a little bit. So to come down, there's a new surface at Phillip Island. We'll be here at the Grand Prix uh, later on in the year. So it's good to keep fresh before I go back to Europe and uh, just having fun. So no, this worked out great. So yeah, perfect. Rode me back in and yeah. That's awesome, mate. So when are you heading back to home base? So you're from, you're living in Andorra at the moment? I live in Andorra. I've been there for two years now. Mm. Uh yeah, I'll leave on the, the 12th of February. Cool. Um, so what's that? Just less than three weeks yeah, now. Yeah. So yeah, my time at home has been short and sweet, um, but it's super exciting what I'm about to encounter. So yeah, I'm ready to just jump in. That's awesome. I mean, that's so good. Um, going back to Phillip Island, you're obviously one of the first people back out after it's been resurfaced. Super green, the track. Heap, heaps green. Like <laughs> my first laps, it's almost, I was just scared to lean it over because mm. it just didn't really feel good on my first laps. There was dust all over the track and uh like load of track day guys so that probably helped it like if it was a race day then you just want to try and go flat out but with so many people on the track yeah. you could kind of calm yourself down but as soon as the, uh, the dust come off it was like it's a smooth asphalt so like the dust was very visible it didn't sit in the rocks and it's it's common on a new track like mm. uh, eastern creek they had a, uh, the last sector resurface i did the test there mm. and you'd go in and just because it's so green and oily it would just you just couldn't add lean angle but after the first session it was okay uh everyone was kind of panicking uh because after 2012 with tire consumption yeah that's of right course, and they'd yeah. have to flag to flag in the motor gp i started yeah. to like spin on the first couple laps and i got some bouncing and i'm just checking my tire in case it's enough and <laughs> it was okay so no it's all good uh we did yeah quite a good job at the end of the day there um i had fun yeah so it's good i think when there's more rubber down um it'll be unreal there's for sure the lap times are going to go faster in every category but I think um, there'll be some tire wear dramas. Yeah, the first yeah. we love that. Meetings. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they must resurface the track every twelve years. Then if that makes I sense, assume yeah. so something like that. Yeah. You know, I guess what I guess and then, you know it depends on which track. Like yeah, like if you have Jerez or Le Mans, like I'm sure that's going to get used more, used yeah. more than Philippon, which might be you know once every few weeks over summer. Yep. for track days and then over winter it's probably pretty dormant i guess the track cops are battering just from the weather yeah it, it gets rained on it gets hailed on it gets salt, sun, salt, the salt, salt water yeah there's salt all over my helmet today i'm pulling tear off so i'm like didn't know it was oil but i just remember the the the, no shit. the breeze today leaves like a salt residue on my visor mm. i'm pulling tear offs and so the track actually cops it quite a lot i think but no i think this will yeah. i don't think this will be a drama uh, by the gp comes around it'll be well on its way and a lot of the bumps that traditionally at this track are all gone so oh, yeah right interesting big okay. kudos to them they've done well so that's cool i never I even thought about the weather to be honest like how it affects the track yeah because we're seeing we're looking outside today it was howling rain and rain <laughs> wind and this morning it was raining all morning you don't think about that but these guys what time did you start early uh, late morning or oh, i got there at seven and it like pissed down yeah, yeah. yeah. And just sitting there going like well there's a day gone and then it just dried <laughs> like that and it's just classic philip man if if melbourne is four seasons a day philip is eight seasons yeah. a day <laughs> like it is crazy here yeah I, like back in sydney uh, the last two weeks i've had torrential rain and yeah. i'm like missing out and training training yeah. indoors and cracking it i'm checking the all like uh two and unders in adelaide and it's listening sun for, <laughs> yeah. for cycling in melbourne and i've come here in adelaide it was pissing rain yeah today it was raining and then it's 
beautiful sunshine at home. So I, I just can't escape it. Philip Island's the worst for it. Well, obviously down for like the GPs last year. Um, and like that, it was like the Friday. It was so perfect. It was like, this is going to be awesome. Saturday was like, okay. And then Sunday, it was just like blowing a gale. Rain was sideways. Saw, um, oh, what's his name? The Italian fella on the Fantic. Yeah. Chalicino Vietti got yeah. thrown off at turn one from the, rain, from the wind. I was in my lounge room watching that race. I'd love to have been there because I think whatever the conditions are, I just think I'd be having a ball no matter what. That's just, mad. Just with awesome my family and, and, and it'll be my home GP. But the crashes and the weather conditions look insane. Ugh. Like Celestino's crash, there was uh, heaps crashed. But yeah. it just look, even speaking to Darren, I saw, because Darren obviously come back to Europe, yeah. I saw him again. And he just said that, like, I don't, there was no real reason why he crashed. Like, he was upright looking where he wants to go. And all of a sudden, it's just nothing. Like, wind, rain, like, no grip, no no temperature. Yeah. And I guess with um, GP tyres and stuff, like, understand the wets. Are, the wets are obviously a, a wet tyre is soft, but then the Dunlop wet, especially with uh, like GP tires in general a bit harder, it just got not much, not much feel. And when the temperature's not there, it's just, mm. and with the wind and the bikes are light, like, I yeah. think, like Chelsino just got mm. like, he lifted off his bike. It did. It so, was nuts. It was right in front of yeah. us as well. We're on turn one watching yeah. it and we're just like, holy yeah. fuck. Yeah. There was some talk in the paddock is obviously going to Pirelli tires this yeah. year. I think they were saying the Pirelli is going to be a lot better in these conditions. So those Dunlops were just rock hard. Was that, is that what you thought? Yeah, the Dunlop is a hmm. hard tire. Uh, if you look across the board, just outside of GP, Dunlop traditionally is a hard tire. Yeah. Uh, super, yep. The super bike is hard. The, the the GP tire is designed to be hard. And uh, yeah, so I think it's just a bit of an evolution going to Pirelli. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah. At all. So I think everything, the performance is better. Honestly, you feel a bit safer. Like we did some winter testing at the end of the, like in winter, getting into winter time, the yeah. Monday after the GP. And traditional like crash corners, like the first time on the right side in Valencia where the bike like just doesn't yeah. grip mm. when you brake and you're a bit scared, like no problem yeah. at all. So it's just guarantees a bit more. Just, yeah, like the GP yeah. bike is obviously very agile and very responsive. So with a bit more grip, obviously everything feels a bit more planted. That's the way. That's the way. Mm. What's it like? Um, what, what's the main differences, I guess, between like, you know, you ride the blade, obviously testing. And then jumping onto a, a Moto2 bike, it must be, is it just chalk and cheese? Yeah, so I've uh, put the Moto2 tires on the blade. So like that harder tire. So okay, firstly, yeah. you have to, you like, you want to try and go quick on the blade, but because it's a hard tire, there's a lack of grip with a load more horsepower. Mm. So it's very good because it's just flat track all over again, honestly. Like it's <laughs> just, you just learn how to really, <laughs> That's you just spin a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learn to drive off the rear tire. Um, good, but you got to, I think, you got to try and understand what you're doing because yeah. like when you go to Europe and there's uh, like other people there, super bike guys, you try and you like, you want to push, but you got to then understand that you're trying to put tires on a different bike and stuff. But honestly, once you get past uh, the general thing with the super bike, it's just understanding the power and it can get you in trouble in, in some yeah. cases. But my first couple of times I was, uh, yeah, a bit panicky, especially because my first time riding a super bike was at Phillip Island. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, good track for it. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Crazy, so. <laughs> is, is, is it the best track in the world? It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. I think today when I – today I went down the straight and I just uh, – like I had some slow people in front of me. I just sat up and it was my first lap. So I just looked at the ocean. I go like, where else do you get this? Like instant <laughs> know, smile on my face. So, no. There's a couple other tracks that I'm looking forward to go to. Uh, the Bend School. So, I think, okay. I think we've got two solid tracks. Yeah, yeah a lot of people world. talk about the Bend being a really solid motorcycle yeah. track. Yeah. And sure. Portimao is that another – yeah, favorite yours yeah, or just, unreal. yeah. Unreal. it's like crazy. a roller coaster that joint yeah it yeah. looks nuts yeah. yeah so take us back mate um yeah. where did it all start fuse 
when you're a kid, was it was it dirt bikes first and was it flat track? Just take us through it. Yeah, it started in an appy, more or less on like a, an LT50 quad bike. Dope. Z50 Honda, old, uh, like a QR50, same That's thing. That's cool. Two, three years old at that point, um, getting pushed along by dad, <laughs> getting catched by dad. Uh, I grew up on motocross. Um, I was actually, I, I was a motocrosser. I started on motocross like KDM 50. Uh, I raced uh, Australian motocross championships in like Horsham, Appen, and yeah. did all state titles on 65s. I had a, a deal with the, the KDM dealership, uh, the local dealership on a, like a race plan. Yeah, yeah. So I raced motocross all my life. Uh, I was coached by Greg Moss, the motocross, yep. the, the dad of Jake and, and Matt Moss in motocross. And and uh, yeah, I raced that for many years, a lot of up and downs. Uh, I didn't quite get to win a motocross championship, but I got second twice yep. in the Australian, Australian motocross championship. Um, and then, yeah, and so late 65, 9 to 13 era, I jumped to flat track. Uh, I actually just tried it I'd, and it was honestly a bit of a light switch moment. Um, I had a couple of injuries in motocross at the time. Uh, but it, when I look back at it now, the abrupt change onto flat track mm. doesn't really make sense because I was like, my idols were Ryan Villapoto, Ryan Dungey, James yeah, Stewart. Yeah. These were like mm. guys, Chad Reed. I, I absolutely idolized to be like these guys. And I, I, I wish I remember a little bit better why I wasn't forced or anything, but I just, I just started flat track and I was, I was instantly very good at it. I was, yeah. had an incredible feeling on, on dirt and from, from, I don't know if motocross helped, sure it did, but I raced motor, uh, I changed to flat track. Uh, I was doing wing and both there for a while until stuff started clashing. Major events started clashing, um, like Aussie title, state title started clashing and I, and I parked motocross there for for a while when i was more or less yeah nine ten years old at that point 11 i was still doing both so by the time i was yeah in that yeah uh like what was it like 9 to 13 65 85 i, I was fully mm. on dirt track so yeah i raced dirt track all my life uh 13 australian dirt track championships um and That's i awesome. and i stopped on a on 150 so 85 so yeah. i ne never went on to i st obviously change career paths and yeah. obviously why I'm talking going to be talking about here today. So mm. no, so I did, had a very good dirt track career, uh, learned a lot of things. I, I was very, very happy doing dirt track. I was learned a lot of skills that obviously used today. And, uh, yeah. So it was that. That's, um, it's, it's so interesting because it just seems like everyone starts on motocross and like everyone we've spoken to mm. starts on motocross and then that will either, continue with that or they then switch to flight track like you do and then mm. to road racing yeah. which always seems to be the best background anyway and like a solid training for whoever's even racing road now like flight yeah. track is everything you look at um you know uh mick Doohan or schwantz or uh, rainy back in the day those americans and the aussies they were so fast because they could all they they race flat track and yeah. they could steer with the rear or whatever it is light it up yeah, so many good road racers can can ride dirt bikes. Yeah. Casey Stoner, Jack Miller. Yeah. Casey Stoner won what was it like thirty something Australian dirt track championships. So, uh, yeah, I raced dirt track. I had such good success there, and and it, it's ingrained in my in my DNA. And I learnt my race craft. I learnt my love for it. So, I got to that 12, 11, 12 years old, and at that I was at that like that T intersection more or less where like okay, so do I continue this into seniors into 250s and go like american sort of aft singles type of thing or do i try a speedway bike mm. i ended up trying a speedway bike and i never never got onto it so we were just seeing like what was next like there was either three options and i tried a speedway bike i 
I, I didn't really want to, I knew straight away that that wasn't for me. And so my brother at the time was uh, still still doing some track days on road. And I just was like, oh, well, why don't we? I was honestly just, it was like, what else can we do? Mm. I ended up trying a road, on, uh, a road, road bike. My dad bought a NSF 100 from, from Japan, that little 12 inch 100cc yeah. air-cooled engine. And again, it was like a, my, my motocross to dirt track random switch i as soon as i and it's and I, I can understand why because a few attributes i have today is like when i try something i just want to do it straight away so as soon as i jumped on that was like i want to get good at this and then that become then that opens up a, a completely career path that's the natural way like stoner did it like uh yeah other mm. friends jack the same come from dirt bikes so um that was another light switch moment when i entered road i absolutely fell in love with it my brother did it my my dad used to work at a bike shop so he was had a bit more knowledge about yeah. it than than dirt bikes so yeah 2016 was the first time i rode a dirt bike uh sorry uh, road bike at uh Maroolan kart track um at that time we were getting my bike uh serviced by an old x-racer first australian to win suzuka eight hour tony hatton oh yep yep he was uh just the one that if my bike needed rebuilded my little nsf he would rebuild it uh and this thing needed rebuilding a lot i rode a lot <laughs> we were so he was just like oh so you're riding a lot and so instead of just uh yeah come drop it off was oh, i'll come to the track yeah and then he started watching me and then he wanted to help me and then at the end of the day he was excited because he knew I could fix X, Y, Z and go another second faster. And then he kept coming again. And then he, he we, we joined PARS at that point. And That's he cool. was like a like a grandfather figure. He's obviously late into his life now. And this, when he saw uh, <clears throat> when he saw what he saw in me, I'm not saying like he thought I was special or anything, but I think it just sparked him again. And it was like another junior doing it mm. the correct way. So we spent a lot of time together <clears throat> developing on my NSF. And it was a, a very quick turnaround from 2016 to 2017. I went on to like an RS85, yeah. like a 125 chassis on an 85, <coughs> really structured training. So he would never let me ride on a on a GP style track because it's such a slow bike. Yeah, said, gotcha. <coughs> Sorry. You're good. <coughs> His philosophy was why I ride a slow bike around. I was like, oh, I want to go to Phillip Island and ride. I want to go mm. to Eastern Creek. I want to do this. I want to go race there with all my mates. And he said, oh, so you're going to go hold this little 85 flat out yeah. around around 12 corners yeah. and you're telling me you're going to learn anything. So I was riding go-kart tracks yeah. on these bikes, just going laps, laps, left, drills, drills, drills. So it was a lot of discipline with him. Mm. Uh, and my dad absolutely uh, just like, uh, we really, really listened to him. He dictated everything. My dad was quite new to the racing thing and with with Haddo's um, experience, then you'd be silly not to listen to him. He, yeah. he, he took Remy Gardner over into Europe and stuff like that. So... Uh, 2017 was no racing for me, even though there was a race, there was a championship available. So that was actually, I wasn't racing anything. I wasn't racing dirt track at that point. I wasn't racing a road bike at that point. I was training on road bikes. So I actually wasn't really racing anything. Uh, but that quality year of just training, uh, is the re real reason why I probably got into the Asia talent cup at 12 years old on my yeah. first uh, triad attempt. I went there and, and, uh, and did really well at the triad. I was like quite fast at the triad. So I, I, I got into Asia Talent Cup in 2018. Uh, wow. Just over 12 months of ever riding a road bike. Uh, yeah, and I'm crazy. about to go to Qatar and race a, a Moto3 standard bike yeah, yeah, in a wow. Dorna supported championship. So that turnaround was quite quick. Uh, definitely wouldn't have happened without that uh, building process in 2016. Yeah. Interesting you say that because it's, yeah, I mean, at that age, you just want, you'd be just itching to ride yeah. and ride and, and, and win. And 
and compete, but so disciplined and it's probably where you, why you're here today. Yeah, so. yeah, um, definitely. It's really good you can look back at your life like that as well yeah. and go, that was a really important time yeah. and then let's move forward from that. 100%. So uh, I went to the tryout. Again, me, Haddo, Dad, uh, we went to the tryout. Um, the third session of the day, I had a massive high side. The, it's very like that humid Asian weather left uh, patches of like humidity in the track. Yeah, yeah right. I've hit one and I've, I've high sided and completely snapped my collarbone. So I'm in the back of an ambulance going to uh, uh, like an outside clinic. It wasn't, it, we couldn't get in, we couldn't go to the hospitals. I had to go to a clinic first. Yeah, right. Uh, and I thought, I'm not getting in. I said, I've just crashed. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm devastated. I'm not going to get in. Uh, and then we got a phone call when I'm waiting in the ER that night uh, that, oh, if it's possible, can Santa come, please come back to the track. He's been selected. Shit. So I'm sitting there, I'm devastated and then 100% happiness instantly yeah. it was like the biggest thing i'd pain achieved i just went away yeah <laughs> it, it, it honestly it was like I, I hobbled back to the track with my collarbone in the in the they do like a selection photo and i'm sitting there in my half cut skins with my <laughs> collarbone all, all uh yeah completely in half and and it was on um at that point it goes from yeah you've ridden a, a road bike 12 months ago for the first time and then you have alberto puge telling you that okay boys in four months you need to be fit like make yeah. sure all your training's done properly and then it's just like i was it was just the massive massivest mountain going home that year thinking that what i'm i've started watching all the old races and stuff yeah and, and i think you look back at it now and it's a it was such a big thing for the age i was at and actually my experience like i, I feel like I, I i'm quite a mature person but I just remember being in that off season, just watching the clock go by. Like, I just wanted, I need to like, I need to start. Yeah. Like, I, I want to, I want to get there so bad and I want to understand it. And so obviously I was so nervous going there for the first time and, and riding um, that bike and uh, like that track. And you, it's the first, like the first time like I've been to MotoGP in the paddock, but then a support category, you almost feel included in MotoGP. And so mm. the pressure around that felt was quite a lot at 12 years old. So the same thing is uh, 2017, we got the, more or less got what the race bike was going to be without the par parts that were probably a bit hard to find. Like the suspension was a like a, an A-kit suspension. So we just got like a standard um, NSF 250R, an exhaust, and we just did track day after track day after track day uh, on tracks that at the age I was allowed to be on. Like I couldn't get on to Phillip Island because mm. I need a road bike license. I couldn't be yeah, at the right. bend. So Eastern Creek and Wakefield Park, I did uh, hundreds of laps. Uh, training for Asia Talent Cup. So, yeah, in 2018, I, I went to Qatar, yeah, and uh, started my started my stint in, in the eye of, like, Dorna in, in, yep. in the World Championship environment and in a, in a daughter-supported Talent Cup series. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely wouldn't be here without that opportunity uh, to take me. Obviously, seeing me ride the bike for two sessions was obviously a risk on their behalf, and uh, that's 100% kick-started my career, so I'm forever thankful for that. Amazing. Yep. So, from there... Asian Talent Cup, what, what happened to your career after that? So you had a year there and then where from to there? So, yeah, I uh, did quite well in my first race. It was like sixth, top ten. Uh, went to Thailand again, new track, started struggling, uh, started not knowing what to do because at that point you don't have a direct person that you can really relate to. It's like a shared suspension engineer. So I just found a couple of difficulties trying to interpret things at that young age. Yeah. I was very overwhelmed a lot of the time. So I, you're I, so young like it's just young, crazy like young. they just throw these kids so into this in the, in the deep end in the deep end yeah. in the paddock it's, it's no lie that i had a tough year yeah uh, it didn't help i had a motocross accident at my home mid-year and broke my tib and fib in half in these <laughs> two races 
So there was about one or two races left and yeah, I didn't really, I come back and, and didn't actually, didn't obviously go any better than I started more or less. So if I started really good, I ended on paper, I ended worse. It's simple as that. And so I didn't get a second year in the cup. So that was as fast as it was like happiness. It was like, it was, it was over before I knew it. And yep. I was feeling a bit empty at the end of 18. I just, I, like I, I was devastated, I guess. So I didn't get a second year cause I think I, I could have obviously benefited and had a healthy year and been that bit older and just been around once. So I didn't get a second year, which, which I think I'm a big believer. Everything happens for a reason. So yeah. you just have to, to tackle it. So we leaned back on Hado for 2019 and his um, relationship with the Morawaki family in Japan. And uh, I raced uh, a standard Moto 3 bike, the NSF 250, same as I had Cup, same as what I was training on in the Japanese championships called MFJ um, JGP3. Uh, crazy championship. Uh, the age, there's no real age cutoff. So you have like all the older Japanese guys that want to build 250s yeah. and ride and they can pedal, man. Like, <laughs> like that is no joke. That yeah, right. There's a lot of fast Japanese riders. Yeah. It's where uh, guys like Ayumu, Yamanaka, Kuni, yeah. they've all come from, uh, Nakagami. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a good year for me. I, I did like a, yeah, like a builder year. I, I got introduced to the Morawaki family, got put under their wing a little, uh, grew up a lot because it was the time I was moving into about year seven at school. Yeah. Um, I was doing, uh, so Thursday afternoon, I would fly out of Sydney and get to Haneda on, on Friday, travel to any track, ride ride Saturday, Sunday. I'd be home. I'd be back on a flight Sunday night and I'd make lunchtime school in the morning at about nine o'clock Monday morning. So I'm trying to do year seven. I'm trying to race on the weekend. So I'm missing like that day and a half of yeah. school. And I did uh, the whole seven round or eight round championship, so. And that's just like normal school, like. Well, you got to tell your school. mates at lunchtime where you been on the weekend. I'm like, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, like I race nuts. my bikes on, on in Japan on the weekend, and I'm here with you in yeah. recess. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, I I matured a lot that year. I was obviously I, I lost that social aspect of my life because I it was really like, okay, we've we've missed that not missed that opportunity, but that opportunity hasn't really worked for us with the talent cup. So we need to try and build, rebuild somewhere else and try and then get to a level where we can go to Europe. So yeah. I did that for 2019. Uh, I, I got into side the top six, five, five, like I got a couple of fifths and sixes. I uh, made a big step uh, in my riding from the previous year. I was that year older. So after that, with in collaboration with Hado and Midori's idea, we decided, okay, well then what's the next step? The next step will have to be, you have to go to Junior GP in Europe. Yeah. So 2020, we moved to Europe uh, in that COVID period. Um, yeah, how was that with COVID? I, uh, Such an awkward time for you yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, I think I got the, the lucky end of the deal because when we, we got delayed leaving Australia. So I think Europe were a bit more locked up before Australia was. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, we, I got delayed in, in Australia. I didn't get there and have to delay myself. So I got delayed in Australia. So I just could continue training, mm. uh, continue, continue my life pretty much. And just uh, the season didn't start till like May. Like I didn't get there until super yeah. late. So mm. that was excited. Um, so yeah, we did. 2020 with uh, Sitch 58 Squadra Corsa. Uh, yep. I went straight. I skipped European Talent Cup and went straight to Moto 3 Junior World Championship. Yeah, uh, I was quite tall at the time, uh, and we thought probably in hindsight I maybe could, should have done ETC to just get some racecraft because because uh, the, the level in Europe is 100% more than Japan or Talent Cup or Australia. Mm, so and yep. it's just facts. It's a yeah. 
it's just what it was. So I, I was thrown in the deep end in 20, uh, deciding to go straight to, to um, junior world championship on a proper motor three bike, like the world championship ones. So yeah, that was another tough year. But I learned a lot in that structure. It was my first official team. That, yeah. that was a proper team structure where, where dad's got no involvement anymore. Yeah. Uh, that was a big thing for me. It was more like, okay, well, there's technicians and bosses and everything. And like the parent will get, obviously he speaks to me. And then at the end of a weekend, they will tell him like a bit of a wrap up. So it was the first time where he has put me into a, a structure. And then that's just, you have to, you have to yep. build yourself with them. So that was a, a big eye opener for my first team. But yeah. The story behind the team and the the team atmosphere that was such a family and that's pretty important yeah well we see them every year at, out for dinner and, yeah. and it's just such yeah. a team environment yeah. you know with um it's the sim and Shelley. so yeah that's cool i mean it would have yeah. been a cool environment for you yeah no unreal yeah um such a such a heartbreak story mm. but he he kind of my take is that he kind of heals his wounds mm. Growing us, yeah, hundred percent. He yeah. can relive the process that he did with Marco. Like he yeah. got him, he got his son to a world championship in two mm, fifties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, he can. He's he's hard, but he's super passionate for us. And and it's like you need to accept his tough criticism because it's one hundred percent in your best. Yeah. In your best. Um, yeah, in your best input. So you have to accept it because he is quite tough. Uh, the language barrier is hard, uh, but. Uh, we've signed up to the challenge so if you need to you need to try and put your best foot forward and as long as you're doing your best even though you can there was times there where the results weren't coming and he never lost faith mm. and never lost motivation to try and help me so i think that's what you need to when you go to europe you need to be pretty specific with your team and i think we did spot on to to try and teach me with that so yeah, yeah that's amazing what's the language barrier like over there is it hard like are you starting to slowly pick up spanish or italian now but yeah i can interpret quite well uh when i come over here i lose my touch with speaking a bit um takes me i can't i don't really not say i'm not confident but yeah. i can i can can get around and and do my best uh definitely in 2020 i didn't really know italian specifically mm. so a lot of that was interpreted by like staff and technicians yeah. and stuff like that so yeah general living it's it's not too bad um a lot of my friends are from england uh, my manager's from England, so mm. my, we in our friend group speak English, but then at the, the track and obviously travel, uh, you just have to get away with trying to do your best to interpret and, and yeah, feel like an outsider a little bit. But when you, I think when you, you attempt to, to speak their language and they know obviously you're not one of them, um, they like, uh, not admire it a little bit, but just like, I, I feel like if you have a go, they appreciate, they can, it. They appreciate yeah. it a little bit. Exactly yeah. right. They appreciate it. So then... Yeah, you want to you want to get out of your comfort zone a little bit more and try. Hundred percent, that's good. And I guess it would be hard if you're just coming in and like as you said, you're speaking to technicians and they got to translate it for you. Things can get lost in translation as well because you might have to say something and you might not have the right word for it. Yeah. So use some Aussie slang or something, and then who knows where it goes yeah. from there. But hundred <laughs> percent, you know, it's 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 true. But so you're racing Moto threes, doing all that, and then you jump into obviously the Moto two category as well and have mm. obviously awesome yeah. success. Yeah. I did a so I did a second year with Sig Fifty Eight in twenty one. Yeah, uh, that was a full normal season. Um, no, no, no COVID time anymore. So That's obviously, nice. our, our training was a much more e training was much easier. We could go over at a normal time. We had a proper off season. So I progressed on paper quite a lot yeah. in twenty one. The field in twenty one was like your Acosta, your Holgado, your Marrera, mm. your Ivan Ortola. Yeah, I can list 
the top 10 that are yeah. in the top 10 of world championship it's now. Sta- that would stack. And field. it was such yeah. a stacked field. And, and uh, I didn't get the result. Like I made a big jump with like gap to leader, personal times and stuff. I made a big jump, but I didn't get to the consistently to the front. I could be there or thereabouts in some races and, and then drop off. So it's true. I didn't, didn't get there at the end of 21 either. And we kind of come to another point where, okay, so I'm what fifth, 16 coming on 16 now it's still uh, young man it's, <laughs> it's young crazy. and it's another- and, your, and your careers on like the crossroads as well yeah, and at that age yeah like uh, yeah. to have the maturity even yeah. for that like at that age overseas away yeah, from everyone yeah. like it's just it's, insane and yeah. it shows why like obviously they get rid of the weak throughout those years and then the strong yeah. the strong get prevail, the, yeah. prevail like it's just so crazy it was another situation where my environment make me made me feel like everything's under control and hard work and you'll get there. But at the end of the day, when you look at it now, it was like, we need to make a plan. If we do this again, it needs to, you need to perform and make a step mm. or do we, we look at something else. So we were looking yeah. at super sport, world super sport doing another year. I would, I'd probably have switched teams at that point. If, if I did another yeah. year in 22 in motor three, uh, so it's continue what my path of that because my goal is to be in motor when you're a motor three junior world championship rider you want to be in motor three world championship yeah yeah on the, in that year 21 did you look at moto three teams to get into and you just there was no into spots? world championship yeah uh i don't think uh, we definitely didn't look because yep. honestly i just didn't have the runs on the board yeah okay i wouldn't have the runs on the board um and i think that's very important i don't think you want to really find yourself in world championship unless they believe in you and you've got runs on the board and, yep. and you, they think you're you're ready because yeah. they're probably right. Like So I mm. think getting in there any other way when you're not ready, yeah. uh, it's very easy to get chewed up and spat back out. 100%. So, and we see that a lot yeah. like in the championship in so, all the categories. Yeah, They jump up too quickly, yeah. you spat out and you've forgotten about yeah. and that's the problem. So. so the end deciding factor at the end of 21 is, is we found a common theme is that it's common to train on 600s when you're in Moto3 because you can't ride the same CC bike because it counts as test days. Yeah, so right. you have to either train way below where you can tra- ride on on whatever cart tra- pike or if yeah. you want to ride yeah. on the tracks you're racing at you got to ride above so we had a, a stock 600 r6 that i just did a million and updating laps on in to keep yeah. the bike yeah. fit and yep. and up to scratch and the common theme was that i was the guys that would smash me on sunday the next training session or training day say at valencia for example i was just as fast or if not faster on a big bike mm. and, and that was coming a, a, a common theme so at that point I was really enjoying bringing back my dirt track roots into a motorbike again. The Moto3 is 100% in line. It will like the top, with the, the world championship Moto3, it does move because the engine's obviously a bit torquier on the edge and, and when the tire, especially in hot races, it does move and you can, you have need a lot of skill to go fast on that bike as well. But the 600 allowed me to really get that turning the rear, the like turning the bike with the rear of the, from the rear, like my dirt track days. Yeah. And it was just such a feeling that, when I uh, like got the setup good and, and put a lot of time into it, I was fast on a 600. Mm-hmm. So then we're looking like, okay, super sports a fully valid option here, but will that deviate me from getting, staying in the GP paddock? So S- European Moto2 championship was kind of where I wanted to be. Mm. Um, yes, it loses the world championship status, but uh, with um, there was some riders stepping into that championship. Uh, they, this was the first in 2022 20, was the first time, uh, European Moto2 Championship uh, got the were on Triumph, the same as World Championship. Uh, At that yeah, point, they yeah. were still on like a Honda. Yeah. And, and so it was like a Triumph category. Like for like to yeah. a certain extent. And it will be the Moto2 yep. like Junior World Championship. Yep. So uh, I signed for Raul Jara's team of Promo Racing in 2022. He's an ex uh, Grand Prix racer in 500s back in the day. Um, 
and I did a test in a like an off-branch track. It's called Califat in the side of Barcelona, near Spain in, in Andalusia. Um, and I left there with the biggest smile on my face. I still had a round of Moto3 to go, but I knew I was already looking to the next year. It was more, not, cool. a, not a survival because it's not good to say it's such a good opportunity of what I was doing. So mm. I didn't say that I was looking past it, but I knew next year with some, some solid off-season work that I'm going to be in a much different position come 2022. Uh, and exactly what I just said is what happened. Uh, I finished that. It was probably one of my best weekends, actually. It was in the wet in the last race in Valencia in 21. Uh, 21. Qualified, yeah, quite good and, and finished that. And it was a very hard time because I'm super dedicated and motivated. And for me, Moto3 is a, an abandoned mission because I believe with one more year and so a few different uh, changes in approach, uh, maybe bike, uh, I could have got there in Moto3. Yeah. But again, everything happens for a reason. That's all right. It didn't mm. happen. So it, for me, it was very hard to deviate a plan because it was just something that I didn't achieve. It was not mission failed because uh, I'm very grateful for the position I'm in now. Yeah. So I, th- I hope that it would have happened anyway. But it just was something that was incomplete and I, it was. It bugged me. But it, it wasn't easy just to just to give up on something that you'd spend two hard years. You've moved to Europe mm. from away. At that point, uh, no family was coming with me other than dad. It was me and dad, so no family. I couldn't go home, so just grinding away for two years was tough. But very grateful to have uh, taken the advice of people around me and made that decision yeah. for 22. Yeah, it makes total sense that that jump up to that 600 if you felt so comfortable in it because a lot of probably questions a lot of people would have, well, why wouldn't you go through the traditional pathway, Moto3, Moto2? But I think you you made a great decision and obviously signing that Moto2 this year, it's it's worked perfectly for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it worked good. Um, especially if you look back at it now, my first year riding a Moto2 bike was the first year I got the opportunities to ride in the World Championship yeah. in, in Austria, yeah, the that's first right. time with Mark VDS. Uh, my, I did six months of on a Moto2 before I, I, got, I got to do a replacement ride. So my progression um, was, was, very, was very good. But I did a lot, a lot of specific training in the off-season on a 600, doing some ASBK stuff. And, and with my rider coach, Stephanie, um, we were very, very specific with our training and, and, and developing. We understand what riding style needed changes. So we did, again, a lot of hard work and a lot of laps in the, in the off-season. And when I went there, I, I slotted straight in. I, I felt unreal on the Moto2 bike. And it was – I lo- not lost a little bit of enjoyment, just, just struggling and – and just grinding away but i enjoyed myself again yeah on the motor too i got results straight away i i, I learned i grew up i i started understanding how to ride a bigger bike and a more advanced bike and i'm just yeah quite it makes me happy looking back at the situation some some people are just destined for that bigger bike like you look at dennis on chew going to moto two this mm. year like he so frustrating watching him because he's just he should be on a motor yeah. two bike and his yeah. size as well so yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Sense. Oh no, I can't wait. How did the signing go about getting into the Moto, your current Moto Two team for this year? Was it a reach out from them? Did you go and explore some options? Yeah. So uh, at the end of twenty two, obviously, I did some. Uh, I was in the. I fought for the championship with Lucas Tulovic in yep. twenty two when I was on promo. He was in the team I currently race for now, Intact. So I come second to him. Um, I could have been there. I could have really realistically beat him to the championship, but I crashed out of the lead twice that year. Mm. Uh, two, Jorge silly. Martin. I just crashed. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't honestly believe it. One of them was quite early in the race and I was full of adrenaline leading. That There was a super hot conditions and I, ever, I thought everyone was going slow and everyone's going slow for a reason. And I just took the lead and was like, well, I can pull away here. And yeah. two corners later, I was skittling. So tyres? 
just grip level. Yeah. yeah. The tires were fresh and the, the track wasn't available. It wasn't going to offer grip. So they were thinking, and the guys, uh, Escrig and Lucas were thinking end game. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, then what, you, what are we waiting for? So <laughs> I took off and two corners later, I completely crashed, lost the front and, and I was in, back in the pit box watching their race. So yeah. the, the second one was in Portimao. Again, I was leading um, and I just went a little bit wide, a bit offline in the dirty part. And instead of uh, just letting it go wide and trying to come back, I tried to like, like V the bike back on the dirty part and I just crashed and yeah. I just could not believe it because that was honestly the champ. He won that race and the championship I knew it was over. Yeah. Team obviously wouldn't let me believe it was over, but it was over. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I did quite well. So yeah, a few rounds later, I got my first maiden victories in Barcelona uh, quite convincingly. Yeah. Uh, quite, I was, I definitely learn a lot from Barcelona weekend. There was two different type of races. I stalked him all race and, and, and pounced and won that one. And the other one I yeah pulled 14 seconds, whatever it was. So I think that was my breakthrough. I got my name a bit yep. out there. I didn't really, uh, didn't really guess that people were watching as much as they were in the end. Uh, that's more or less how VDS come about. Yep. I just got two wins. Um, yeah. So I was just, uh, and that's just, especially beating beating Lucas and being in rivalry with Lucas. He's, he obviously was going to the world championship and his team intact at the time. My team were obviously looking at the, the next riders to go into there. And so, yeah, I got, I got his ride because he went to, he got promoted to world championship because he was the, the winner of junior uh, European motor two. Um, yeah. Jürgen Ling um, obviously was very keen on me. Uh, he's helped me a lot. He's given me the, he's really, given me the opportunity to be here where I am now. So yeah, I, I'm moved into, into intact for a second year in European Moto2 championship. Yep. So yeah. And had a good year. Good year. <laughs> good Great year. year. <laughs> yeah. Very good year. Uh, no, we won the championship. Yep. Uh, another one was quite dominant. Um, but in saying that exactly what I needed to do mm. to, to 100% get, uh, uh, like a convincing ride, a, a good, yep. a good seat in Moto2. I think I needed to do nothing less than I did. I needed to develop. I needed to, needed to. I couldn't relax at any point. Even though when I was winning, uh, quite, was never comfortably. Yeah. But just, just on a success roll, uh, me and my crew chief had a very strict plan that even when things are good, we're never relaxing. We're trying to go. We're we're really trying to beat ourselves if we're at the top. And we're not, never always at the top. But yeah. if we do find ourselves at the top, then we can never ease up because just know that world championships just that next mountain. So. Mm. We, I developed the level mm. while I won the championship, and I think, yeah, I got, I've, I'm, I've got the ride for next year, and that was, that was, yeah, the best day of my life. Seeing that, seeing what I was seeing in that paper copy contract, reading that again was just like a, a quite emotional, yeah. really, especially being there with my dad and and thinking that it just started just me and him, and then now we're, we've earned this contract, we've, we've got a championship under our belt, and we've, we've. Yeah, been over for four years now, so it was. It's taken four years to get there, mm. um, and not an easy road. No, not an easy road no. at all. That that year after you had you struggled, and um, yeah, as I said, it would have been the crossroads for you, and yeah. came out on top. And just and it's it's about relationships as well, building relationships with people, yeah. and and earning those contracts. So, so you've done awesome. That's that's so good to hear. Yeah, yeah. and it's always a, it always seems like you got to go through that struggle. Mm. You know, you got to go through that struggle, and I think Aussies. Have it pretty tough anyway because you're going to make that trek over to Europe. Like if you're, um, you know, as you said, you were riding through Moto3 and you don't know what you're doing, you can't go back home. Like these guys can just yeah. catch a train back to Spain or yeah. France, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's different. Talk, talk to us about, because um, I first heard your name 
going through, I think it was ASBK when you dominated, I think, Phillip Island one weekend. And I think on the 600s and your wild cards. Mm. Um, what was it like wild carding on that Mark VDS team? Because you did, as you said, was it Austria and Montegi? Was it Montegi? Uh, no, I did Austria, Italy, Aragon and Valencia. Shit, there you go. And what was that like? What was it like being in that paddock? Oh, incredible. Uh, even just how the opportunity arose. Uh, I was sitting in my lounge room watching Silverstone GP and Sam Lowe's uh, has an accident at yeah, in the end of sector one. Uh, obviously, you just, you're watching it, you're watching the session and then it comes up, FP2, Sam Lowe's declared unfit, shoulder mm. injury in the in the bottom. Mm. And I'm looking at dad like going like, oh, then like who's, like that's, a, a, that's not a bike that, like is that, like who's going to ride it? Like is it, what's going to happen here? Um, and at that point, I would love to have, I was hinting at the idea as the team that I was in promo at that time, that if I can start winning, and I, I said this, I said, can I, can you guys make a bike for Australian GP? And at that point, they were like confident in the idea, but then when they started really looking to do it and, and like, I don't know if it's contractual things of getting grid slots and yeah. financial, it just, there wasn't an option. So to do a wild card was on our list. Like I've, I've won two races now, I'm second in the, second in the championship. I wanted to do a wild card, so yeah, I, I remember telling my manager like, "Is it like, how, like Sam's Sam's injured? What's the process?" And I know he obviously has some relationships around the paddock. And I went out training, and I was on my push bike. I'd stopped at the top, one of the top of the peaks in Andorra, Leon rings. He said, "You're riding the bike next week." <laughs> he said, "You got to go to Leon, so it's a town in France called called Leon Lyon." Mm. Uh, from Andorra, you need to go to the Exxon factory to get measured and then you're straight to Austria and I'll be with you. I'll come with you to wow. Austria. And I'm like, I remember just like riding home. I come upstairs and dad's, he's like, did Leon ring you? And I said, yeah. And he's like, I'm like freaking out because <laughs> I just had this conversation with dad about two hours before. Um, and I'm like, almost like not what have I done, like mentioning it yeah. because it's 100% what I want to do. But the excitement was just incredible. Yeah. Uh, the satisfaction in that, just knowing that I'm going there. So I was just like a kid at the candy shop on the plane in the airport, like get me to this racetrack. Uh, yeah. And I walked into there and, and it, my mind just blew really walking into a world championship team of that caliber. Big team. That's right. Like a, lot of, a lot of history there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible amount. Yeah. And I'm so thankful. Big name in the paddock. Yeah. So thankful to have known those guys. I walk in and Tony Ablino's right there. Yeah. Uh, like Jules Bigot is my crew yep. chief. He was Alex Creville's crew chief when they won the world title and a massive history there. The technical support, um, Marina, uh, Mark van der Stratton, just, yep. it, just incredible. They made me feel incredibly welcome. And I just uh, I just worked hard to, to tr not prove to them because I had nothing to prove in a sense, but I just wanted to, to show what I could do. Um, but with the expectation from them and it was quite good because their expectations were low. So it made me feel a bit calmer. Mm. Um, so no, I just absolutely worked my butt off, just was riding alone all the time and, and just trying to work through technical things and understand and mm. just try and be a sponge, but also try and like, you have so little time to get up to speed in world championship that I was trying to take in massive information and then turn it around into performance straight away. Yeah. And that was hard. And that's what you had to do. You had no time to go home and think about like try and go home and maybe do some training because the to ride the world championship bike was a big difference um how so different is it very different yeah at, at, at different tracks when there's different tire allocations mm. and especially the model of the bike it's like spec of the bike being the chassis the swing on the suspension yeah. so um i was just trying to like learn off different data and different info and different um event like uh 
for example, one thing we don't have is video analysis. You have like the Gran Turismo ghost. So they've, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling oh, in, yeah. in, in turn three. Uh, Austria just had a new chicane. I was struggling through, so it was turn A, 1A, 2B. Uh, and then the film guy gets directed to go there and then he they film Acosta and they overlay you and so stuff like that. So you're trying to understand yeah, lines. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, That's so. a big help. I, I mean, I'm, when I'm playing the Grand Turismo, <laughs> um, you can see we're going faster though. Yeah. It's true though. Like it, it is a big, big help. So, so yeah, I... Um, uh, so they video that and then overlay the footage. So yeah. it's real footage or yeah. is it like... Oh. Yeah, so they video through... They, yeah. The camera's on like a, a, a spindle. So it's very important that the height up and down doesn't move, but you have to get them in the same frame. So they'll film me, film Dixon, film Acosta, mm-hmm. put them together. It's a... It's a like it's a proper job. The film yeah. is a proper job. It is, it's a, you have, need a, a special subscription to this app. Um, and then they overlay and they put you towards other riders and you can see lines and speeds and everything. It's just like a you you have real colour. And then the rider fast has got that that grey like mm, on, yeah. on yeah, it's Grand yeah, Turismo, yeah, yeah. it's Grand Turismo, yeah, it's cool. like that. But looking at it from a distance, it's difficult. So this is turn two. Turn it was one A. Oh, sorry, two A, two B. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Like it just looks like an awkward corner. Yeah. yeah. Or really awkward corner. And I reckon you can find a lot of speed in there, as you probably found yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was just not fast through there. Yeah. Uh, heaps of people. It was like turn one in India last uh, yeah. last year. Everyone was running off and whatnot. Mm. It was the brand new. Usually everyone's used to like lucky I didn't ride the old track, which is a straight. So now you've got first two oh, first yeah. corners. So that was a crazy circuit. Yeah. It, that's straight. Yeah. That, and and then the, obviously the incident with um like Zarco and uh, oh, uh Rossi and Yeah. Morbidelli. Morbidelli mm. and Vinales. Like that yeah. was one of the craziest things I think yeah. we've ever seen. Absolutely horrific. I remember watching that like uh yeah, someone was watching over them for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. like you knew it was bad because then when Vinales like the bike went over Rossi and kind of went near him obviously and he kind of put his hands up like yeah. that and was just like, fuck, that's just, you only do that if it's just like a reflex action, yeah. you know, shit's coming at you. Mm. So no, um, it was a good weekend. I was 16th in the race for two long lap penalties. Uh, what did you get the long laps for? Track limits. Uh, like a BS track limits. Track limits. <laughs> track limits. <laughs> Fucking track, track limits. limits. Uh, yeah, I was just just on that. Sorry, when you get a track limits warning, yeah. you see that on your dash, obviously. Well, you know, you hit, like when you hit it, you go shit. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah I've yeah. hit it. I've hit it again. Like, what? what how many? Are you not count? Like, I know it's five plus three a warning, or yeah. four plus. Four. Okay, I don't know. I should know, but I don't. Yeah, I'm like, have I hit it? Have I hit it? And then I I, I see LL on the dashboard LLP warning, and then I didn't do it for a couple of laps, and I was catching Joe Roberts. And I, I snuck back on, like I slipped back onto it. I'm like, oh, does it like I'm that's again? And then yeah. I saw it on the board, and I was a bit devastated. But is it is it easy? I always find like it'd be hard, especially on like a tight track, like Saxon Ring, right? Like to look at your dash and know there's it like a there's something there. You know, there's always something happening. There's no long straight there either. Yeah, that's right. So like on a on a tight track or something, is it is it harder to see what's going on the dash, or can you just? And always you just always see no, it. No, it's quite illuminated. The okay. dashboard, the Magnum really dashboard's quite big. Mm. Yeah. So, no, we did. Uh, I did. I was point one off going to Q two on my first ever GP. Yeah, oh, wow. unreal. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah tenth off. I was one second off pole in P twenty one on the grid on my first ever GP. So I, I, they team were stoked because it was quite clear that they were really, really looking at the distance to the, the, the top in every session. Yeah. It started at just under three seconds. I got it to two, 1.5 in FP3. Uh, yeah, one in uh, one second, 
in qualifying and then in the race I was losing losing up to eight tenths a lap yeah. more or less. So the gap was just they looking at my race ris- rhythms, we kind of understood where my race pace would be and where that would put me to where what, who won, I think it was the two Honda Team Asia boys out yeah. front. Yeah. And uh, I just finished a, a perfect introductory. They were super happy with me. I was just still overwhelmed by everything and super ha- happy about the whole situation. And and uh, it was something I'll never forget. Um, incredible opportunity. And I'm still really close with that whole team. They're a fantastic bunch of yeah. people. And uh yeah, I think that definitely got my name definitely out there. Man, for sure. You would have been the youngest bloke out there by a long stretch, wouldn't you? There wouldn't have been a lot of 18-year-olds around in Moto2. I was 17, and so it was uh, Zonta van der Gorburg. Yeah. Me and Zonta. Yeah. 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 It's young. Yeah. So young. Did, did anyone surprise you in the paddock? Did you walk in there and anyone was polite or came up to you, or were they all sort of, who's this young kid? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't really have much direct friends other than, like, I know Jack, for yeah. example, so when Jack saw that I was in the paddock as another Aussie it was just like, I was telling him how nervous I was and he was like acting like, he's like, what are you going to be nervous about? Like you're riding a motor, like you're riding a motorbike. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like I'm very, um, I said to him, I said, all these blokes I watch on TV and I'm mm. rolling out a pit lane next to them. Like I, I it took a while to yeah. become normal, but once it did, they just become dots. You're just there to beat them. Yeah. And, and yeah. you want to, you, you, when you look back at it, it's such a big thing. Um, but at the end, it, they just become competitors and references and you just want to, you want to beat them straight, straight, straight. Of as course. easy as that so mm. yeah what are you what are you most excited about this year what's 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 really like on your mind is it a, a track is it the competition like what what's really getting your juices flowing i'm looking forward to the process like i, w- I want to start i want to see my level and then i just want to i love the chase I, I love getting better i just want to see like whether i slot in like i'm very optimistic um i don't want to put any expectations out into the world at all mm. i have internal goals 100 percent, but i just want to i want to get stuck in like i'm enjoyed being home but i just want to go wherever it is like if we i'm sure i'm going to experience it all i'm, I'm ready to experience them all i'm in mm. good shape i'm feeling good on the on in training and we had a good test so i just can't wait to just just climb that mountain as such and just try and do my best to achieve what i've what i've internally set so that ex- really really excites yeah. me i'd love to obviously achieve results yeah. in my rookie year be rookie of the year is a massive thing on my mind yeah um, but I'm just very the the team environment I have um, the opportunity that, that that's around me this year, the structure feels really good and I'm it's just super exciting the whole thing. So I just yeah I'm just ready to honestly leave no stone unturned to achieve what I'm outside to achieve. Yeah, energy's so good, mate. Like yeah. it's just yeah you yeah. just you're rocking and rolling. You're ready to go. So. I can like, see you just like itching ready yeah, to go. Yeah, get me on a plane to Europe. And get me on a bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. Seriously. <laughs> You got to know when to relax. You got to know when to switch off, yeah, and you got to know. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> what's um, What's Darren Binder like? He, I mean, he's raced in all three categories, hasn't he? Now, yeah. so like he's going to be a great teammate to to sort of lend off, I suppose. Yeah, me and Daz are close. Uh, we live near each other. We're about what two minute drive between each other. Yeah, um, in Andorra. Really so I, I train with him. I know him away from the track, and so now being my teammate, uh, the vibe's good. Oh, that's great. You couldn't we're, think of better. We're friends. So yeah. I think in a team aspect the team have seen that and they can't want anything more yeah for sure he's going to be a competitor and i want to beat him with all my heart but i'm gonna like i just like anyone you want to beat it's no different Mm. but there will be there's no problems between me and him and uh especially working with him when everyone's on the same bike i think any team info and of, of anything to to progress if one's struggling or mm. different even the crews like if the riders get along then you'll find that the crews then get along on each side so 
I think the for a team aspect, it's super healthy. It will be a super healthy vibe. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. So and I think uh, he's a quite the opposite character to me. I'm quite like not not saying he's not dedicated, but he's very good with managing his energy. Like he can switch off instantly. He's a bit more relaxed. Even though how bad things are going, um, he he seems to be able to switch off and and see the fun in things. So and I'm maybe a bit like I my my energy really stops on Sunday. Uh, I never really switch off. Mm. I, I can obviously I'm much better now that I'm a bit older of doing that. Uh, but definitely a bit more of a serious vibe comes from me. So I think when we he can get a laugh out of me as well. So I think it will help each other. That's mad. Yeah, that's um that's cool. Yeah, your energy is is definitely definitely there. It's um yeah, it's just amazing. It's 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 so good that we've got you know Aussies in the paddock and like more people to support. I know. I'm so excited for yeah. <laughs> this season. Just. Just, That's you know, right. watching it on Sunday nights and, and just rooting for the Aussies. So. 100%. Yeah. Um, going back to Andorra, what's the go of Andorra? Is it just are you, are you neighbors of every MotoGP <laughs> rider? Because it just seems like everyone's or, or there. Or cyclists. Yeah, as well. or cyclists. Seems like it. No, it's my... Do you go down to the local Woolies and go, oh, g'day, Mark, you're getting, some, getting some grapes or something? There's so many riders out there like Quadrara, Vinales. Yeah. Uh, my, my groups like Garrett Gerloff, Taryn McKenzie, Brad Ray, Leon Cameo, Chaz Davies, Jules yeah. Cluzel... McFee and then some of the rally guys, Sam Sunderland, Adrian Van Beveren. That's and it's crazy. so crazy. What a cool place to just I know. live. And, and, and it's so crazy because you get to be humans with them too. Yeah. And there's everyone such a high level caliber in their respected sport, whether they're pro cyclists, they're mm. Dakar champions, MotoGP world champion, champions, superbike riders. And we can all just be normal together. And yeah. that's actually really cool. We train like, yeah, we train most days, everyone together in different sports, yep. whether we're doing mountain bike, um, cycling, uh, trials, enduro, anything, or we're just going and have dinner. Like yeah. We can just all hang out together. And mm. I think when you have mates, obviously, in the same, your environment mm. obviously creates you uh, and your mentality comes from, obviously, the time spent with the, the energy around you, yeah. I, I would say. So everyone's working for the same goal. Everyone's um, very respected in their own discipline. So it's such a, it's such a, a good environment to evolve uh, being around people like that. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, I remember watching. I'm a big cycling fanatic when Tour de France comes yes. comes around, and I remember watching a couple of years ago. I think they finished the stage in Andorra, yeah. or and just that place just looked magical, you yeah. know. Like, you just yeah, it must be a. I mean, obviously coming back to Australia, your family and everything, but yeah, it must be an awesome place to live. Yeah, for me, it's uh, if I'm not riding motorbikes, I'm riding my push bike. Uh, I would be a professional cyclist if I wasn't doing this in a heartbeat. Mm, yeah. So to watch the Giro Italia go past my 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 driveway more or less this year <laughs> was just insane. Yeah. Uh, got to meet a lot of pro cyclists this year and and understand what their lifestyle is about and, and that's a, a massive thing away from motorbikes for me. So uh, And I get to train at altitude and yeah. all these professional cyclists around me, I, I love it. It's the best way for me to, to switch off. Yeah. Yeah, and the mental aspect of it. Mm. as well would be a massive massive thing those 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 cyclists are the, the best athletes some of the best athletes in the world yeah, yeah that's three legit. week that's three week uh test for the tour de france is just legit like yeah. it's just nothing else like it with cycling i was going to ask um obviously so many uh motorcycle races train in it whether it's motocross or enduro or supercross motor gp whatever mm. what's the benefits What's the benefits for riding motorcycles? Is it just cardiovascular fitness is the biggest thing or is it just all enjoyment? Cycling or? Cycling. Cycling. For me, 
it, it's a mental thing. Like if there's one, th- if I've had a bad weekend or I've gone through a stress period, one thing that can I can I can go out and ride for five hours and not think about absolutely anything. It's ride my push bike, mm. and I've I, I've realized I did it strictly for fitness at the beginning, and then I realized I absolutely love it, and I absolutely admire how dedicated and fit those athletes are, mm. and and the bubble they live in because they need to perform cardiovascular time. Like if they're sick they're more or less finished where mm. if we get sick on a weekend, you just got to buckle up. Like, you know yeah. how to ride a motorbike yeah. and it's different where their, their lives are so, so left field of the, the others. And I absolutely admire that. Yeah. So for me, it's something, it's honestly a mental gap. And in the meantime, it get, just gets you incredibly fit. It's good yeah. for weight management. Um, and also it's good. So I just, I've utilized that and now it's, it's more than fun. It's just something, it's a massive hobby of mine and I'd love to get incredibly good at it when I ever have time. But, yeah. yeah, it's full on. What what kind of Ks do you do a week? Oh, my off season's probably been, say, 20 hours a week, 500 mid. Fuck. Uh, obviously, that varies if when the, the season starts, you race, you, you travel days Thursday, or if GPs travel days now Wednesday, set up day Thursday, you might ride Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday's on the bike, you'd get home maybe mid Monday, you'd want to rest that day, yeah. Tuesday, you do an easy one, and maybe Wednesday, you get to do a decent one. So what's that? you get two rides per week when the season's on. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's a bit of a trend. It's a, a massive off-season off hobby for mine because you get all your fitness and all your peak and then you find yourself getting less good, but you've yeah. done all the hard work for your season. So when Christmas comes around, I'm just yeah burning up in the sun all day, but I wouldn't trade it for <laughs> Do you Do you, um, like, if you're out for like four or five hours, whatever it is, you listen to podcasts while you do it? Oh, or? load. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when it's a bit... In where I live, obviously, is a bit rural. So with cars and stuff, I try not to. I try yeah. to avoid, but I do my best to to listen to some podcasts. And yeah, this That's year, right. the whole Ned Brockman thing running from Perth yeah. to Sydney has been my go-to, listening to that, listening to another. Human. It's actually changed the running culture in this country. Yeah, so many people have, have yeah. just jumped on that bandwagon. Incredible. Yeah. I love, I, uh, yeah, I love listening to, to his story and uh, yeah, just finish his book. So definitely rate that. I yep. just rate him in general. Honestly, I really admire him. And yeah, yeah, it's that's cool. cool. Yeah, it's been good. No, that's um, that's cool. It's just, yeah, interesting about all the cyclist stuff. But yeah. well, we saw um, Alicia Spargo um, riding his bike yeah, last yeah, last October for for Grand Prix. Sometimes you ride because we come down on the Tuesday normally, and um, they're all out having lunch, and there's no one annoying yeah. them. So, but there's a few cyclists out there. Yeah, yeah. he's on another level. I don't think he. I think his thing is cycling and yeah. MotoGP. I don't, I don't see him very much riding much bikes. Yeah, I try and mix it up a bit. Obviously, you can't really. It's really good for you and it, it gets you fit and mm. keeps you keeps you obviously firing. But it's also important to do to do motocross, especially some people veer away from it from the risk factor. But when you grow up and I've got the fundamentals of mm. motocross, I can kind of put a lean on it when I know I've got a race coming up and stuff like that. So I, I can get involved. My friends do it. Uh, like I go with Sam Sunderland motocross riding quite a lot. So I can get bike fit doing that. It's good for, for like your brake and stability stuff to get strong in motocross yeah. again. So I think yeah, when you're going a, fast yeah. on a motocross bike, mm. you know, you know you have no bike fit problems for a road bike. Such so. a fine line because it's it is the biggest injury in the off season. You hear Bezeki yeah. collarbone, yeah. Motor, yeah. Uh, motocross accident. Like how often do you hear it yeah. with those riders? Yeah. But you have to do it to to stay ride fit. So no, it's good. I guess it doesn't take much either. Like you can might might miss a rut or something like that, and you get flung over the handlebars, or could do something small. Like mm. I was just speaking to a customer at work the other day, and like you know he just missed time the corner, laid the front down, and broke his wrist. You know, like it doesn't 100%. take much. Yeah, I'm a big believer of you need like every discipline has a skill set. One thing I'm big thing is those trials. You learn balance. Yeah. You learn how a bike reacts to different weights on on 
through the suspension to, to generate grip. And in indoor, we're in mountains, we have we do sections together. So I think it's good to be good at everything. Obviously, you learn all your 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 all your low traction skills mm-hmm. on dirt track, which I've done. I can do motocross. I'm I learned a lot doing trials. I've improved in that. So I think it's good to be to be an all rounder. Yeah, jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very good. You'll find I think that every I guess world champion can can go fast on an off road bike. You yeah. know what I mean? Like so, yeah, when it starts raining as well, you yeah. see that you know cream rise to the top. Yeah, as we like to say on the podcast <laughs> a lot. So I mean that's the other thing is that's the, the low grip very circuits. Yeah. It's, you see some of those those riders shine. So um, going back to Moto Two yeah. this year. Uh, is there any changes on the bike as such? Any rule changes mm. that I suppose the public don't know except the Pirelli tires? No, Pirelli tires have come in. Yep. But in saying that, even though it's just Pirelli tires, the whole characteristic of the championship is going to change. So then the technical wise, um, the bike's going to have to change technically. We'll have different suspension. So KDM group, so Intact, uh, Aspar, Gas Gas, Red Bull KDM, Aki. Uh, are now on WP suspension. So KDM Group have now taken in the suspension from Oh, Olympics. yeah, that's all right. Yeah. About time. Yeah. And that should have been nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what... What suspension were they running? Erlens. Uh, Erlens, yeah. yeah. And WP is their co- own company, isn't yeah. it? So, so. Yeah. So um, the new suspension's been developed around the tyre in the... in the off, Not off-season, but they've had a test team all of last year going around developing the suspension. So on the Monday test after the GP, uh, that come out of the crate and it was fantastic. Yep. So just have a, I guess when you're all on the same bike, just to have a, that crew specifically for you, knowing that no one else has got this and you've mm. got eight staff between the three teams. <laughs> yeah. You've got that technician that's not then, because with Olin's, obviously they have suspension technicians, but then you know that if you're discussing something with him, everyone's on it. So he's then going to that team and that team. So mm. it's just something Correct. that the teams have got a hand on a bit. That's cool. That's a good way yeah. to think about it. So yeah. it's, it's a definitely a step forward. Um, the lap times are going through the roof. I think it's only natural. Pirelli's just generally got more grip. Um, but yeah, the whole characteristic of the racing is going to change with, with the grip level um, because it's a, a softer, stickier tyre, but then race distance in different climates like summer, in the Asian countries mm. versus winter, we're gonna have like a, a tire consumption factor uh, with no yep. with a non electronic. So with motor two, don't have any traction control, no wheelie yeah. control, no nothing to to no rider intervention to try and preserve tire life. More more like superbikes than what GP have. Obviously, it's faster without it, but then like in superbikes, for example, it's the the electronics to try and save the tire while going as fast as possible to what that will allow you. So obviously for us it's all in our hands. So I think we're gonna have to learn uh, different things. But uh, yeah, I've done t- like two types of tests in Valencia. It was like 15 degrees asphalt and the grip and the lap times available and the potential was just incredible. And then race distance was not a problem. And I've done uh, 60 degree asphalt uh, test in in Chalk in, and in Barcelona mm. and two tire two laps and yeah. the, the tires yeah triangled and that's. That's two laps without thinking of the tire, just just going. Yeah. And then you've got to realize you've got to do another eighteen, and I, re- <laughs> I regretted it. So I did a, a race simulation, and yeah, obviously I hope that's not what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. But you definitely learn. So yeah. Mm. What's the biggest like with these Moto Two bikes, and we'll ask Jacob this about the, with the Moto Three. What's the like for a race weekend? What, what can you change the most for setup? Is it like mainly suspension you're playing around with? Because I know you don't have heaps of electronics or yeah. any, but yeah, is it just suspension? What is it? It's, I think the GP bikes, there's a small window 
But when you arrive like with, a, with different teams and stuff, there's a window that they, they give you. Mm. So it's not like you need to create where the window is. Like they, the, the, a professional team obviously puts the bike where they know it mathematically works with the, with the, a chassis program and stuff like that. So when you jump on it and you ride it to its potential, I think that the thing is if you, when you are off the pace on a GP bike, it doesn't like it. So you, and the one thing that uh, was quite clear, even when I jumped to VDS, that the, the bike in the setup is meant to be ridden good. So when I jumped on the VDS bike, I, I didn't feel good on the first session because obviously Sam's an established rider. And once you actually push more into the bike and get to the limit of the bike, that's when it starts working yeah. and you regain confidence. So I think you need to, you need to quite, like, I wouldn't say commit, but you need to be in tune a lot more with the GP bike rather than production-based bikes like Supersport. They're a lot more forgiving. So mm. the, the harder you ride it and get used to riding a bit more on the limit, the bike comes into its own. And that's mm. when you like when you feel that you're maybe out of control as such or on the limit, it's where the, it's just entering where the, what the bike's capable of. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's like a race car, same scenario. You have to drive it to its limit to yeah. get the full potential 100%. out of it. So to the setup-wise, it's uh, like for me personally – we did like a quite a lot of we did a busy testing schedule, testing a load of stuff and different setups. And once you find that base, at the end, to what for me, what worked for me was honestly just looking in the mirror. Everyone has the same bike. Yeah. Everyone's more or less in the same window. And at that point, when when you know that it's not different manufacturers, so you can't never blame uh, you can't blame an off weekend because yeah. of your brand, and that should, just doesn't work with your brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have that, so that's a big factor. So as much as you can adapt in any situation, whether things are not going good technically, it definitely is an advantage to have. Mm. Yeah, there you go. It's interesting. It's good to know. Um, all right. We've got some fan questions for you. We do this with every every guest. Um, again, sorry we can't get to all of them. We had, we had heaps, but um, we've picked out four for you. All right, first one. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start the clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Robox92 standard question I was waiting for this one to come up were you named after and Senna yeah my dad was a, a massive fan yep um, not just only because of because of his successes uh, he was a really big fan so he understood the mentality of Anton the technical ability and honestly just him as a human my dad was always telling me that he was just not like in awe of, of his ability uh, to use just the ability of his skills pretty much and and uh, I think he on originally wanted to actually call me Anton, but one of his friends uh, called her son Anton, so then he got the last name as Senna. So, yeah, no one has it. Um, it's a bit of a shock. Like in school, it's a bit of a pain in the ass, <laughs> uh, getting Sienna and all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, they, they wouldn't understand the meaning no, behind no, it. No, not at all. And then, but as you grew up, everyone would be like, that's so cool. And all the old blokes would be like, so, that is awesome. No, yeah. I've got a name to, to do. I need to I need to get there with the name so to, to, to keep pushing it so hundred percent uh, yeah pressure's on mate wouldn't change it for we, we always talk about like um we always talk about like racers names yeah. like and in Senna Aegis that seems like a, a racer's name yeah um, definitely we had with Daniel up in Wollongong and we're with one of his um uh, cousins buddy uncles cousins <laughs> sisters brother there was, there was heaps of them and th- their last name was Santangelo I'm like. <laughs> He's a world champion, that <laughs> yeah, last yeah. name. Santangelo, yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. You need to do like a Senna tribute helmet for Philip Island or something like that. That would be cool. That would be cool. Oh. Or if there's ever like a Brazil Grand Prix in the future, Ooh, I would 100% true. bring it out. Man, imagine that yellow. Uh, I'll Mar- buy that. Marrera. 
did a tribute helmet this yeah, year. Yeah, I think I remember yeah, seeing yeah, that. I remember seeing as well, yeah. so no, it's something up my sleeve. <laughs> has to be one of the best looking helmets of all time, that center lead. Oh, yeah. most, oh, yeah. has almost the most iconic, I reckon. Most iconic, definitely. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, all right, at John Newcastle 7, how are you finding the Grand Prix paddock? Is it a big step up from junior GP? After my first wild cards, yes, uh, but I've done seven now. Uh, so I think you get used to it. You get used to, like I mentioned previously, you get used to racing the guys that you've idolized and they just become different competitors. Uh, I think when you, you just, when you slot in and you understand your level and, and what you need to achieve, then it just becomes uh, the feeling of every race, any championship you, you do. If you're performing, if you know where you need to improve, uh, it's not until you kind of disconnect and understand where you're at and it kind of hits you and stuff like that. Mm. But I think it becomes any normal competition, whether it's racing or what, when you get to a, a level and like you're excited about it, but then it just becomes the job that it always has been. So no, I'm quite used to it and yeah, ready for the step. Love it. Yeah. The mentality is yeah. amazing. Yeah. We, d- we definitely don't have that. Uh, <laughs> that's all you. That's With definitely. the name Senna, I mean, yeah, 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 you sort of have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at I Spy Two Wheels, is there, this is a good question, mm. is there a difference in the culture in training in Europe than in Australia? For sure. Uh, in Australia, it's not common to see kids that uh, are up to, well, I'm tall, up to my hip riding around on pocket bikes. Yeah. When you go over there and see all these young kids riding the, their bikes from seven, eight years old, like what I did on like a, a little uh, Honda 50, they're doing it on the tarmac already. Like yeah. that wasn't available for me. Yeah. I mean, that, it, there's that changing now. It, it, a there's little, a load of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, the Avales. Australia's building and it's super yeah. good to see whether it's Maxwell doing his thing in, yeah. uh, in Melbourne, Cudlin doing his Motostars thing that yeah. I had a little bit to do with riding my 12-inch bike, OJC, Asia Talent Cup, but uh, mm. just when you get there, the the level and intensity from these young kids is so impressive, and mm. you can understand why uh, motorsports got so many Europeans in it. Mm. They've they've got a head start. It's a, I don't want to make excuses, but they they hundred percent have got a head start into into the mentality. Mm. So uh, it's just a much bigger. I think we're so far away and we're so secluded that it's mm. just a much bigger thing in Europe. So um, yeah, there is a big change, but. Australia's catching up and it's good to see. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I heard is in Europe, I mean, there's so many more availabilities to just go into a track and ride. Yeah. Where here it's like closed for some days yeah. and some days it's open, then it's too wet. And, True. and it's like in, I mean, whether you want to ride in all conditions, yeah. but if it's sunny for 250 days of the year, mm. the tracks are open, you go, you know? Yeah. And just to touch on the tracks being open, I faced this problem in 2018. I've been selected for Asia Talent Cup on this bike and I need to, in, in March, I need to be in, in Qatar racing LaSalle International Circuit. Mm. But with my age in, in the law, like the insurance laws, whatever, it's another topic. But yeah. I could only get onto a track of Winton or Wakefield Park. Yeah, I couldn't get onto Phillip Island. I couldn't get onto Eastern Creek. I couldn't get in onto any GP size track, even knowing that I'm going to be the Australian representative going into this championship. It's yeah. just, it's, but now it's, mm. it's changing. Um, the, like uh, that you can get onto Phillip Island now, you can get onto different tracks. So, uh, the availability in Europe is much easier. Just mm. tracks being open, there's a load more, uh, load more of them, and open through the week. Mm. Uh, even some that you just, uh, the owner will tell you the gates open and you can go ride, and it's just on you. Where no, everything in Australia is like structured days yeah. and stuff like and that. Insurances so, and all yeah, the bullshit. Yeah, much that, different things. Yeah. So that's another thing. That's obviously why they can get on 
their bikes to at knee height to a grasshopper yeah. they can get on there straight away when yeah. like whether it's from inheritance their fathers like it's 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 quite impressive when i got there and seen yeah these kids so Oh, that's great. Mm. That's crazy. Those Avales do seem to make, they look like so much fun, yeah, but I'm yeah. sure it would make such a big difference for those young kids as well coming yeah. through. Very good to see, especially the two kids that I think trained down with Wayne and now got into the Asia Talent Cup as well. Yeah. Uh, and I saw them again at uh, the FIM Mini GP Series in Valencia, uh, um, Russo and Cam Dunker. So it's good to see uh, a little training program getting the result, getting yeah. the opportunities in Europe too. So for sure it's, it's getting better, but... Mm. It's like something that I'd like to give back to if I can make a career out of it, um, 100% the plan and, yeah. and the mentality to, to do so. So mm -hmm. that's something that what Wayne's doing now, I really respect and admire. So it's something that, that could excite me after racing too. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's so good to see people like Wayne Maxwell, um, friend of the pod, Damo Cudlin as yeah. well, yeah, shout yeah. out Moto Stars because um, that's, that's what it needs. And yeah. you need to have that community, especially yeah. in racing. Yeah. And giving back to the community as yeah. well is a big like thing. They've both done you know, really well for their careers. Yeah. Uh, and they know what they're doing. Um, at Rossi Lover 46, <laughs> original name, um, is the Moto 2 field the most competitive ever? I think so. Uh, depends, obviously, who you speak to, but it's quite common knowledge that Moto 2 is maybe the hardest category in the whole whole thing. Yeah, It's the control bike, control engine, control chassis, really back to the looking in the mirror things, a massive part. So it's it's definitely yeah I think it's the strongest ever. Uh, Fermin and Acosta pushed the bar really high next year. Uh, this year, uh, last year, uh, it's it's on form definitely with these new tech specs, um, opening up a bit of a new chapter for us to adventure. I think the level's going to get harder. The, we're going faster. We're pushing even more than before. So I think it's going to be very interesting. And 100, it's getting harder and harder. Mate, that's awesome. Mm. We are we can't wait for you. We can't wait for it. Yeah, we, uh, we can't wait to watch you. Thanks for coming on the pod. It's um, it's so awesome to see young Aussie talent coming through. We're massive fans. We're gonna watch you all the way through. We'll make sure we catch up in Phillip Island. And before we leave, we've got a little bit of a present for you that we do with everyone. Oh, cool. This is a uh, thanks to Stacey with HJC Australia. She always sorts us out, but we've got a, just a bit of a gift for you. We've got a helmet, signs, um, watch those signatures. They're going to be famous one day. To say thanks for coming on the pod, mate. We really appreciate it. We know your time's limited and we've also got you. You can give that to your old man. Oh, yeah, he'll be happy. Oh, yeah. wow. No, he'll be very happy. <laughs> Motorsport Republic at Air Sick. Freshener. Sick. Or just a t-shirt. You, you can wear that over your leathers, mate. 100%. Yeah, when you get your first win, wear that over your leathers for us. Sure. No, I can't wait, uh, especially for the home Grand Prix coming. Um, it's obviously super late in the year, uh, but 100% a highlight for what's to come. So yeah. family and friends and see everyone. Uh, yep. I can't wait. So hope to see you boys there. Yeah, we'll have, we'll hopefully uh, we'll catch up over the uh, over the weekend yeah, yeah. at some sure. stage. Yeah. For sure. But no, awesome. Really appreciate you coming on. No, Good luck you. for the rest of the year. Cheers. We're going to be cheering on. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll see you back in Phillip Island. Cool, boys. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Cheers.